0: Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned in to our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. So um, today we are jumping into the second installment of a series that I started last week, and the series is called Go and Tell. Go and Tell. Can you say that with me? Go and Tell. And we're talking about sharing our faith, sharing our belief with this world that so desperately needs it. And this is based on what Jesus asks us to do as a church. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bible with you, if you have a phone, go ahead and take it out. In this church, we tell you to take out your phone. All right, usually put your phone away. No, take it out. I want you to highlight it. All right. Now, don't be on Instagram, all right, while I'm preaching or Facebook, unless you're going to take a nice picture of the pastor, and then you're going to post it. You're allowed to do that. You let me know, Pastor, I'm going to take a picture, and then I'll, I'll try to post for you this morning, all right? But, uh, and I'm always going to encourage you, church, to take notes as well, all right? You never know when you need to go back to these notes and refresh some of the things that we're talking about. So Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20, Jesus uh, He's just resurrected, and he's having the final talk with his disciples before ascending to heaven. He's giving his disciples those final words, those final important instructions before he goes. And this is what he tells them. He goes, therefore, go. What does he say? Therefore, go. What's the name of this series? Go and tell. What does Jesus say? Go and make disciples. Of all nations, okay? And when it's talking about nations, guys, it's not talking about geographical spots on the map, okay? The word nations there is a, is a Greek word, ethnos, and it's talking about ethnic groups, all right? So he doesn't want, you know, for, to make disciples of the United States or Russia. No, he wants the ethnic groups that are in those nations, all right? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. What does he say to do? baptize them. Why do we have baptism today? Because that's what Jesus ordered us to do, to show the world. You know, my friend CJ and his wife got baptized today. When you get baptized, what you're doing is that you're going public with your faith. You see, when you make a decision for Jesus, man, that's in here. Nobody's seeing what's going on in your heart. The day that I'd invited Jesus to my heart, I was so broken and I was in the front row in the church of my friend And when the pastor said, who wants to receive Jesus? My hand wanted to go up by itself, but I was holding it down with the other one (laughs) because I didn't want my friends thinking that I was going soft on them, you know? So I was like, no, 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 I can't make this decision. But when the pastor said, whoever wants to make this decision, repeat after me, I went ahead and I made that prayer, but nobody knew it. It was something that happened where? In here. So your confession of Christ Okay, it's something private. But when you baptize, when you get baptized, what you're doing is you're going public with your faith. You're letting everybody know, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life. You see, and the way that I like to see it, I I have this wedding band that I have here. Not all of you guys were here the day that I married my wife. Any of you guys were here? I know Julie and Renee back there. You know, Pastor Max was here the day that I married my wife, but not many of you, so you guys trust that I made the right decision. Okay, Pastor got married with, how do you guys know that I just didn't move in with her? I was like, hey, this girl's cute, I'm just gonna move in with her. You know, that's what a lot of people do today. So you guys, by faith, need to believe, hey, Pastor got married one day with Pastor Gabby. But the way that you know the commitment that we made in our heart is why? By this wedding band that I wear on my finger. Whenever you see this wedding band, You know, oh, okay, okay. He made a decision to commit his life to her and her to him. You know, my wife sometimes, you know, she puts her wedding band, you know, off at night and puts it in. And then she'll leave the house. And I'm like, where's your wedding band? Oh, I left that at home. And I'm like, no, 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 we need to go back. You need to wear that. I want people to know that you're taken. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) My friend is clapping over there, man. (laughs) I want people to know that you're taking because maybe you go to Ross or maybe you go to, you know, you go to Dayland or something. Have some fool try to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? But if you're wearing that band, people will know that there's a commitment that was made and that's baptism. When you go public with your faith and you let everybody know, hey, I'm going after Jesus with all my heart. I'm going to follow his teachings. I'm going to follow his way. So Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's what I do here every Sunday. Every Sunday I stand up here to try to teach you what Jesus commanded us to do as a church. Right? Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always. What a beautiful promise. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling down and out, you're feeling frustrated, you're watching online and you don't even want to come in in person here and you're staying behind because of things you might be going through, Jesus promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. What a beautiful scripture. What a beautiful scripture. And last week we started this series of Go and Tell with a very important message I started speaking to you guys about the importance of sharing our faith with the next generation. And if by any chance you did not make it last Sunday, I know it was Labor Day weekend. It was a long weekend. Maybe you took off with the family. That's all good. All right. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here, that you would go to our YouTube channel, Numa Church Miami. Actually, some people are watching through YouTube right now. After I finish here, revisit that teaching because I spoke some very important things of our faith, how it needs to be passed along to that next generation. Or if not, you know what, guys? It's going to die out. It's going to be like the Order of the Jedi. Any of you guys, you know, familiar with Star Wars? And all of a sudden the Jedis had disappeared. Well, I don't want Christianity to disappear, not on my watch. I want the next generation to love God even more than I do. But we all have a job in this together so i recorded a video during the week and you know i put it you know online i'm like hey if you weren't here on sunday make sure you check this out that teaching was called standing for the next generation so we're talking about sharing our faith with the next generation by the way uh part of what i presented there is our platform as a new church what we're going to be doing with our kids with our youth And this last Friday, we had our first G2G night, all right? And G2G night, all right, is a a once-a-month, big-time service we're going to do. The other nights of the month, we're going to be having small group discipleship. So every week, your young people are going to meet in this place. But I want to tell you that this last Friday that we were here, we had 85 young people that were in this place. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together for God. And you know what's amazing? That my friend, Pastor Rich... Romero preached the word, and when he said, Who wants to invite Jesus into your heart? Five hands went up that night to invite Jesus into their heart. So we had five young people to commit to Jesus. We had visitors. I mean, God was here, and they're raffling up some dunks, some shoes. Man, I don't even raffle shoes on Sunday. You know, I'm going to start coming to those youth services on Friday, you know. But, anyways, that's not, you know, today's message. Today, I want to continue with the theme of go and tell with a message that I've titled, you and your sphere of influence. Write that down. You and your sphere of influence. And what are we going to talk about today, pastor? Well, we're going to talk about that we all have influence and the importance that we use that influence to make a difference. And we're going to get into that. But I want to share a little bit about how this journey started for me. Because some of you guys that have been here, yeah, you, you know a little bit of my journey and where I come from. But many of the new faces that are here, John, good to see you with your family, my friend. Many of you guys that are here, you know, you, you, you need to understand God has a journey with all of us. And just because I'm up here doesn't mean, okay, that I'm better or I'm more perfect or God loves me more. No. God has a journey with all of us. And my journey with God started when I was 18 years of age. And as soon as I started that journey, God started to do some amazing things in here. And I started to understand that God wanted to do things in me because he wanted to reach people that were around me. But he had to start with me. And I want to tell you, God usually starts with one person. And that person, God will start working in their life, and that person starts to become of influence to those people that are around them. You see, when God came into my life, my whole family was a mess. Everybody. I mean, there was not like one that you could say, all right, this guy was like so-so or good. No, none of them. <laughs> I-, I think I was like, you know, maybe like the most so-so one, and I wasn't good at all. All right, and 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 God started to, to work in my life, and, and, and he started to teach me that he loved me. A lot of times, church wants to bring people in and say, okay, you got to do this, do that, do that, for God to love you. No, I understood that God loved me first, and he was inviting me into a relationship with him. And as I fall in love with him, all right, then he'll start doing great things in my life. That's why I believe so much in the vision that we have here in Numa. We've broken it down into four phrases. Our vision, okay, is love God. Because you know what? We were created to love him with all our heart, to go after him. What does the Bible say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. We want to teach you to love God. And as you love God, man, he's going to do great things in your life. And part of that, okay, is the second phrase of our vision. He wants us to be free. He wants you to be free. Free from what, pastor? From all the things that we carry along, that we picked up in life trying to survive or trying to make it. Because when you don't have God in your life, let me tell you, you try to make it. And when you make it to bed at night, you're like, oof, I made it one more day. (laughs) I made it one more day. But we lied, we cheated, we did this, we did that. We were broken, we got into relationships, they dumped us. I know nobody here has ever been dumped, praise God, you know but I was dumped, you know what I'm saying? So God wants you to be what? Be free. And we believe here in Numa that freedom comes in the context of relationships. We believe, like I was with somebody the other day and I was talking with that person and that person, as we were talking, I saw that it was like one of those knots. I don't know if you've ever had one of those knots in your shoes, you know, those tight ones that you're like, how in the world do I even like untie this knot? Has that ever happened to you? Well, that happens with lives. A lot of times our life is like one of those knots, and you're like, man, how in the world do I get that on time? You need somebody else to come along and help you out. And that's why we believe so strongly here in community. We believe in small groups. That's why last week we had our small groups fair. And today, church, I want to let you know this week, starting tomorrow, we have our 13 weeks of small group being launched. We have over 30 small groups that are going to be starting out right now. And I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, hey, you can still sign up for a small group. At the end, you go outside. We have an information center, and we have a sheet out there with all the different groups, different days of the week, different times. I just found out this week that there's a group that meets at 5 a.m. to pray. Now, you have to be a Jedi to get up at 5 a.m. to pray and go to somebody's house, you know? But we have all types of groups going on. We have a group of guys that do sports outside for crying out loud, all right? So you can find every little niche, there's a cooking group. I would never be part of that group because I'm trying to lose weight, not gain weight. And it's not a cooking group, it's a dessert group. How to make dessert, you imagine that? I gotta pray for the people that signed up for that group before, man. I was like, Lord, after 13 weeks, help these brothers and sisters. That's why when the groups finished, we start January with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because when you're done with that group in December, that group finishes exactly one week before we go into December break. And then we have all the holiday eating. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, that's not what I'm talking. And we have another group here that a person that is in the room leads. And I'm so proud of that group. It's for ladies that have gone through abortions. And if you've ever gone through an abortion and maybe you did it while you were young and you didn't want to tie yourself down to something and you just made that decision and you kept going, I want to let you know that things get affected in here when you do that. Or maybe you're a husband or you were a boyfriend and you pushed your girl to get an abortion because you weren't going to you know, commit. Let me tell you something. There's some freedom right there that God wants to bring. And we have that group available. And it's uh, we don't we don't make it the public as far as who are the people that are part of that group. No. We just let it go. But if you need freedom in that area, go and find out about that group. Because I know it's going to be a blessing. So love God. Say with me, love God. Be free. And then the next one, the third phrase, okay, is live on purpose. Because you know how bad it is to wake up every day? And just try to exist without understanding that you and I have a purpose given from God. And we want you to live on purpose. We want you to get up every morning. We want you to go to work. We want you to go to school. Man, and you understand that there's a purpose behind that. And until you don't discover your purpose, guess what? You're not going to be able to live on purpose. You know that I think that there's certain days that mark a person's life that are very important. I think definitely the most important day is the day you were born because if not, you don't get to celebrate anything else. You know, the day that you're born. Then I believe it's the day that you're born again when you give your life to Jesus and you're born of the spirit because you start this new spiritual journey with God as a son or daughter of God. And then I think the third most important day is the day that you figure out for what it is that he created you for. How it is that he wired you because you know what? Even though you might live 70, 80, 90 years. In reality, that's not a long time. I've told you my story before. I I remember when I was 7 years old, I look at somebody that was 45, and I'm like, man, that person's old. Well, guess what? I'm 45 now. I'm like, man, I'm feeling so young because I'm climbing up that ladder, man. I'm like, Jesus, what's happening here? Why is time going so quick? How many of you guys knew when you were like 7 or 8, you look at somebody that's 40 or 50, you're like, that person's old. Raise your hand. Come on. Some of you guys are raising your hand now because you believe that because you're so little right now. But one day you're going to be 45. Man. <laughs> and time is going by. And why am I telling you this? Because I would hate for you to say that you were part of Numa Church and that you were here five years, 10 years. You were here all your life. And that you discovered your purpose when you were 70 years old, 80 years old. And say, okay, now I'm going to do it. No, if you got here young, If you got here when you were a teen, if you got here in your 20s or in your 30s, I want you to discover your purpose as quick as possible so you can start walking in that. I want you to live on purpose. And that's why we created a growth track that helps you down that journey. Pastor, what's a growth track? It's a four-step process that we have here. Every Sunday it takes place. Right now it's taking place in the building next door. And I encourage you guys to give me four weekends out of your life. It's going to help you discover the way that God wired you. And we're going to talk about that in today's teaching. And if you go to your growth track, I guarantee you, you're going to discover some things about yourself that you didn't know. And it's going to be a blessing. So I encourage you, growth track. I'm going to talk to you guys about that. If you come here, I'm going to talk to you guys about that every week. And even when I don't preach, whoever steps up here, Pastor Max, I'm Pastor Max, make sure you talk about growth track. Pastor Milton, make sure you talk about Growth Track because I want to help you walk in your purpose. All right, and the fourth step of our vision, okay, is called make a difference. Say with me, make a difference. Because God created you to make a difference. God created me to make a difference in this world. And how do we make a difference here at NUMA? Oh, through a special group of people called the Dream Team. Any Dream Teamers out there today? A couple of Dream Teamers? All right. So you make a difference. Yeah, you guys can clap for the dream team. They're actually the ones that are helping us, you know, carry this whole thing forward. I'm part of the dream team. And in the dream team, we all understand that God wired us different, but we all make a difference together. And together we make an impact for the kingdom of heaven. So all this to tell you that I knew when God was calling me, he wanted to do something in my life, but I didn't understand what it was. But I understood something, and and I need to to mention this to you. I understood that what he wanted to do in me wasn't for it to stay with me. I I felt an urge to talk to other people about it. And the the people that God would put around me, I was like trying to see how I would communicate with them what God was doing in me, but I really didn't have words for it because, you know, I, I wasn't churched. And actually, I'm going to be honest. Now that I am church, I'm like, okay, those words that I used after I was church really don't help you too much when you're trying to talk to a person. Because when you're talking to a person, you say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. They're like, what? (laughs) You know, like, okay, talk to me in my language. You know, help me understand. That's why for me, the Bible seems so weird. I had a a friend of mine give me a Bible. And I was like, finally, I understand what God is trying to tell me because before the Bible that I had was an old King James Bible. And I was like, why does God talk so weird? Thou and thee and all these things. And I'm like, thou what? The what cometh unto me? And I was like, what? Like, why does it just say, come to me, you know? So my friend gave me this Bible, an NIV Bible. And I had a blue highlighter. And literally when I was done with that Bible, it looked like a Smurf Bible it was all highlighted in Blue Larry completely. I was like, now I understand. So as God was walking in me, working in me, look at this. I knew that I was in, listen to this, I was being transformed and God wanted to use me as a conduit of transformation. I was being transformed and I wanted those that were closest to me to be transformed the same way I was being transformed. So if you stood next to me or you sat next to me because I didn't have a car, I would have to take the bus to work and take the bus to school. If you sat next to me on a bus, I was trying to figure out how to talk to that person that was on the bus of what God was doing in my life. And I was like, oh, my God, that person might get off in the next stop. How do I tell them? You know? And I was trying to take advantage of every moment because I was so excited that God had decided to look at me and change me. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Feel privileged that God decided to put his eyes on you, that God decided for you to be that dominoes in your family that he touched. And all of a sudden from here on out in Jesus name, all your generations will be different than everything else that came from behind. How many of you guys thank God for that? Thank God that he showed up in your life when he did. And I remember that I was trying to focus on the whole world. I would come to church and the church would talk about reaching the world and reaching the world and and, and reaching the world. And I was like, man, that's like, man, I'm just a kid here from Little Havana. You know, how am I going to reach the world for Christ? And that's when I learned that is not reaching the world. Pay attention to what I'm going to say. It's reaching your world. Because as you reach your world, and you reach your world, and you reach your world, and you reach your world, we all together reach the world. And we, listen to what I'm going to say, if we impact our circle of influence and those people that are around us, then what happens is that we look for opportunities to share our faith, to share what God has done in our lives. So today, in the time that I have left, I want us to focus on whom do I share my faith with. And next week, by the way, all right, I'm going to talk to you how to share your faith. And I know that that's something that for many is a little stressful. I know for some people that it gives them a lot of anxiety. It gives them a lot of fear. You know, I've had people, you know, with sweaty hands and sweaty I've had people call me and tell me, Pastor, I'm here with a friend and they need to receive Jesus. I don't know what to tell them. Here you go. And they put me on the phone. I'm like, who? I'm like, what? One time that happened to me and I was in the bathroom. And I answered the phone on the bathroom. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on, bro? And he's like, listen, I'm here with my friend. He needs to receive Jesus. I'm like, give me two minutes. No, 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 he's about to leave. I'm like, all right. Hey, what's going on? That guy never knew what I was. (laughs) My wife sometimes tells me, babe, you say some crazy stories up there, you know. I'm being truthful with you guys, man. You need to learn how to share the gospel, each of us, all right, and not just depend. I'm doing my part, but you got to do your part too, man. All right, all right. So who do we share our faith with? With our sphere of influence. And I want you to go with me to the Bible, to Acts chapter 16, 16. This is a, a crazy story in the Bible. So Paul and his friend Silas, they're out there and they're preaching and they get in trouble for preaching. They, 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 there's, a, there's a girl, all right, that was demon possessed and wherever they would go, they would go after them. And this girl would start saying, hey, this guy's telling you the way to be saved. At least the demon was doing something good at that moment, you know? These guys are saying the way to be saved. And Paul got so tired that he just casted the demon out of the girl. But the people that owned the girl, okay, even then, okay, people were being trafficked and being owned. The people that owned the girl, they got so upset because their business was going to be, they lost their business, all right? And you know what happened to Paul and Silas? They got thrown into jail. They got thrown into jail, and that's where we pick up the story. And it says here in Acts 16, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. You see, they were in jail, and they weren't saying, oh, man, I can't believe this happened to me for preaching. I can't believe that God is making me go through all these things. If God loves me, why is he allowing me to suffer? That's not what they were doing. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I don't know if I would be able to do that in a prison. And the other prisoners were listening to them. What were they trying to do? They were trying to make a difference in the sphere where they were at at that moment. All right. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. You imagine this? And everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. This guy was sleeping, all right, while all this stuff was going on. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. What did the jailer thought? He goes, it's going to be better if I die than what they're going to do to me, all right, because everybody escaped. And listen to what happens. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. That is definitely God, brother. All right, if you're in prison and the door opens and you decide not to run out but stay in there, that's definitely the Lord working on somebody's heart right there. All right, and it says here that the jailer called for the lights, those are torches back then, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Look at what his question was. His question why, it wasn't, hey, why did these doors open? Why didn't you guys run away? No, 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 no. It was a God moment. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Say it with me, and your household. So the Bible says that you and your household will be saved. Now, when we look at that word household, all right, I I, I wanna tell you something about about this word household. The Bible that we read, the New Testament, originally it was written in Greek, okay? There were Greek manuscripts, and then they translated it, you know, into the different languages that we have, English, Spanish, you know, all these different languages, all right? So if you wanna go to the original to see what's truly the meaning, that's my job as a pastor, to make sure that you guys understand and I do those kind of studies. Okay, the word for household is a Greek word called oikos. All right, today you came to church and now you're learning Greek. Look at that, man. This is a smart church. Like, hey, I went to a church and I'm learning Greek. You imagine that? All right, the word oikos. All right, and the word oikos doesn't mean physical house. Okay, it doesn't mean the building that you live in when you leave this place. The word oikos literally, according to that Greek word, means sphere of influence. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your sphere of influence. Those that are around you, that's your oikos. What's your oikos? Say it with me, my sphere of influence. What's your oikos? Your sphere of influence. So when you became a Christian, look at me for a second, it wasn't just for you. It was for who? It was for your sphere of influence. It was for those people that are around you. And many times as a church, we just leave that task up for the pastor. But let me tell you something. It's God's plan to save you so that all those in your circle that might never get to meet me, there's friends of yours, there's family members that are never going to meet Pastor Chris, but they meet you. They know you, and they see a change in your life. So that's your sphere of influence. Wouldn't it be great that you meet Jesus and that by the time that you die, everybody in your oikos, in your sphere of influence, knows Jesus because of you as well? Wouldn't that be powerful? That would be so amazing. You know, I love stats. And one of the stats from Barna Group, they, they do stats all around you know, churches and stuff like that. And it says 88% of people want someone close to them to share their faith. 88% of people. They, they, they don't want to come and listen to Pastor Chris. Who do they want to listen to? A friend of theirs, a family member, somebody that they trust. Because let me be honest with you, not everybody you know, has the best impression of church. Because churches, we haven't done a good job of representing Christ a lot of times. So when you tell somebody, hey, come with me to church, they're like, well, you know, what car is the pastor driving? <laughs> you know, what's happening with this? What's happening with that? But they'll sit down with you, and they'll go to La Carreta and drink a Cuban coffee and listen to your story. And then after they hear your story, then maybe you're like, hey, by the way, you got to come to church with me, man. The pastor, you're going to have a good time when you go there. So with the time that I have this morning I want you to understand that there's three areas of your sphere of influence. Okay? Three areas of your sphere of or three areas that your sphere of influence reaches and there you become an agent of change. Three areas. Number 1, write this down. I'm going to go quick. All right? The first area that your sphere of influence reaches is your people. Say it with me, my people. Say it again, my people okay your people who are your people well your people okay your family number 1 your friends okay your coworkers your classmates i just put a list together your teammates if you play sports the parents in the in the team of the you know your kids team your neighbors all those are say with me my people okay mark chapter 5 Verse 18 through 19, read this story with me. It says, Jesus was preparing to leave in a boat, and the man who was now free from the demons, Jesus just, you know, freed this guy that was demon-possessed. This guy was like living in the tombstones and everything, crazy story. But this man gets freed by Jesus, and he begs him to go with him. But Jesus did not allow the man to go. He said, go home. To your family and friends. Where did Jesus tell them to go? Home. It's like ET. ET wanted to go home. And Jesus is saying, Go home. Some people are like, Who? ET, man. A ride in Universal Studios that is super boring. All right, that you get on a little bicycle. <laughs> the other day we're in Universal and my wife is like, Babe, can we do ET? I'm like, What? And like, the kids have never done ET and like, and after they do it now, they'll never do it again either. You know, it's like. (laughs) Anyways, that's one of those old school. All right. Go home to your family and friends and tell them about all the Lord did for you. That's what God wants to do with you and me. He wants to send us to our oikos, to our sphere of influence and tell them all that God has done with you. Tell them all that God has done with you. Tell them how the Lord was good to you. So you and I are supposed to be, listen to this, a witness for Jesus in our sphere of influence. We're supposed to be a witness for Jesus in our sphere of influence. So before you try to go out and change the world, I'm going to make it simple for you, church. Change your world. Change your world. Change those people that are around you. And how, how big is my sphere of influence? Well, you know that sociologists say, listen to this, that your sphere of influence is about 12 people. Every person. I wonder why Jesus picked 12 disciples if I had to do that. But anyways. <laughs> sociologists say that your sphere of influence is about 12 people. And where do they get that? Okay, is they say this. I actually looked at the study. It's pretty cool. You take everyone that you've been around during the week face to face, and if you've been with them for more than an hour, that's your sphere of influence. You take everybody that you've been around with during the week, and if you've been with a person for more than an hour face to face, that's part of your sphere of influence. Those are people that God wants you to influence for him. I don't know how many people in this room or watching through that camera this morning would like to see family members come to Christ. I still got family members. Just because I'm saved doesn't mean I have family members that are saved. I still want to see family members come to the Lord. I don't know if you want to see close friends come to God, but I want to see some of my close friends come to God. How about coworkers or classmates or neighbors? And that's what I'm saying. Next week, I'm going to give you some tools of actually how's the practical area of how to do this. The second area of your sphere of influence, second area, is your place. Say it with me, my place. My place. Your place. All right. What does that mean, Pastor? We all have a different place in society. We all have a different place in society, and we're all called to influence a different area of society. Now, listen to this. This is a real cool story. And I'm going to give you some, you know, current church history background on what I'm going to say. In 1975, okay, there were two men that have made a great impact for the kingdom of heaven in the state of Colorado. These two men got to lead great, huge Christian organizations that have made such a difference in our world. One of those men was called Lawrence Cunningham. And he was the founder of a ministry called YWAM, called Youth with a Mission, where young people would go on summer camps and they would go on mission trips. And I've met people from YWAM all over the world and they've made such a great dip. He was the one that founded that. And the other guy that was there in Colorado was a gentleman called Bill Bright. Maybe you've heard of the man Bill Bright, okay, from Campus Crusade for Christ. He passed away some years ago. And Bill Bright okay, he would start, you know, with students in the colleges, in the schools, and he actually created a Jesus film, and maybe you saw that Jesus film, and I want to tell you, over one billion people in the world have seen the Jesus film. Many believe that Bill Bright, whenever we get to heaven, will be the person that reached the most people for Christ, more than Billy Graham. Some people believe that. So Bill Bright, okay, and Lawrence Cunningham, both coincidentally are in Colorado vacationing and they find out that they're there and they decide to meet each other because they knew of the different things that we're doing. And you're not going to believe what happened. The night before they met, each of them individually have a dream. And when they sit down with each other, Bill Bright tells Cunningham, you know, last night I had this dream. And Lawrence Southern, you're not going to believe it, I had the same dream. And both these men, the night before they met, they had the same dream given to them by God. And that dream was about, listen to what I'm going to say, about seven areas of society that God wants to influence for the kingdom of God. Seven areas of society that he wants to influence for the kingdom of God. You know what the problem is? that the church has always, always focused on one, which area, the church. (laughs) But you know that we're supposed as a church to come so that we go? We're supposed to come so that we go. So the church is only one, and I'm gonna give you those seven areas that they had this dream about. Number one, the church, all right? The church, that's one of the areas that God wants to influence, all right? But you know what the problem is? Only 47% come to the church. 47% of people in the United States today come to the church. The question is, what happens to the other 53? And church, Numa, look at me real quick. We're trying the best that we can. We're doing, you know, our weekend services. People are coming to the Lord. People are getting baptized. We're having our missions outings once a week. I mean, once a month on the first Saturday. We're doing, you know, the big uh, G2G night. We're having our new minutes. We're doing everything we can. We give thousands of dollars every year to different missions organizations that we partner with. You know, when you give to NUMA, I want to tell you, that money doesn't all stay here. We make a difference through that money. We're doing our part. So one of the areas of influence is what? The church. Number two, government. Government. All right. And I know some people that tell me, pastor, the church, you know, we, we need to stay away from government. We, we, we don't need to get involved in, in politics. You know, there's a separation between church and state. Look at me real quick. You know why they created separation of church and state? Actually, it was a very good idea. It was for the government not to get involved in the church, but it was not for the church not to get involved in the government. That's important that you understand. We didn't want the government to tell the church what it needed to do, but the church is here to influence government for Jesus and for the kingdom of God. Uh, You can clap. Come on. So let me tell you something. We need to bring our voice to the government. And if God ever calls any of you guys to run for office, guess what? I'm going to be backing you up 100%. Because you're going to make a difference out there. You're going to make your voice heard out there. Another sphere of society that God wants to impact, sphere of influence, sports and entertainment. Sports and entertainment. All right? Right now, that's huge. Entertainment is huge. Sports are huge. You know that God wants to reach the people out there? That's why, Mateo, we want you to make it, bro. We want you to make it. We want our kids, man, to make it big, either in entertainment, in sports. I look at people like Denzel Washington that share their faith. I love Denzel. I love to hear, you know, things that he says about leadership to other movie stars, people that I'll never reach. Denzel is reaching for God. You know, you have people, you know, like Chris Pratt. All of us, you know, you've seen the, the Jurassic Park movies, Jurassic World you know, Chris Pratt, that guy's a strong believer. Every time that he's going to receive an award, he uses that platform to speak about Jesus. Amazing. All right. You have, you have people like Tyler Perry. And in and, and our Hispanic world, you have a guy like Faruco that gave his life to the Lord about maybe six, seven months ago. And now all his genre and his music is talking about what God is doing in his life. And that's so powerful because he's going to reach so many people for God. And God got him right at the top when he had made that song called Pepas. Have you ever heard that song? You know, if you go, you never heard that song, you go to a heat game, all right? Every time the heat go on a run, they put that song, man, and everybody starts dancing. and jump. They don't even know what they're singing. Actually, they interviewed Jimmy Butler. He goes, every time they put that song, Pepas, I go, I don't understand what they're saying, but keep playing that song in the game. <laughs> so Faruko just made that song. He's on the top. And he has an encounter with Jesus. There was an amazing interview that Jorge Ramos did with Faruko. It's about a 45-minute interview where Faruko shares the experience that he had with Jesus on a car and how he had an open heaven vision at that moment. It's so powerful. And that guy now, man, I'm excited for what God's going to do through his life. So you have people like him. You know, you have people like Tua our quarterback for the Dolphins, Dolphins start playing today. Come on. We've had hope for many years. We're going to do a prayer line for the Miami Dolphins at the end of the service today, guys. But Tua, our quarterback, is a man of God. And and my wife and I, you know, we saw his parents in Church of the Highlands in Alabama. They love the Lord. They serve God. And every time you see Tua, he has the cross. He puts it right here before the games. Any interview, he's talking, I want to give glory to to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's taking the sports for that. And then you have Jonathan Isaac. Do we have a picture back there that I gave you of Jonathan Isaac? No. Well, Jonathan Isaac is a guy that plays for the Orlando Magic. He's seven feet tall. (laughs) A person that's seven feet tall is going to stand out wherever he goes. So you know what happened with Jonathan Isaac that impacted me? You know, a couple of years ago when the whole thing with Black Lives Matter was going on, that people were taking a knee, remember? And in basketball, before the national anthem, every team was taking a knee. And you know what Jonathan Isaac said? He goes, I'm not going to kneel. And everybody started giving him so much riff for that. And he says something, I'm only going to kneel before my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't kneel for no other cause. So you have all the teammates kneeling down, and then you have this seven-footer just standing like this in the middle of the national anthem. And I'm like, boy, talk about making a difference, man. All eyes are on you at that moment. I imagine what that kid was feeling, because at that moment, he was only 21 years old. Do you imagine 21 and having that conviction with all the pressure of the NBA? Wow, man. Want to pray for somebody, just pray for that guy. Another sphere of society that God wants to reach education. Education. Speak your voice. This week, there was this vote that was taking place to see if they would make October LGBTQ month in our public schools. I don't know if you heard about that. And the vote didn't go through. Praise God. All right. It failed. But if you're a teacher, if you're an educator, You have such an important role right now in that sphere of society. Business, business, all my business people, let me tell you something. Don't just make money. Make money for the glory of God. Because I want you to know every dollar is a missionary. Every dollar that we make is a missionary that you can send out to make a difference. And that's why this coming Wednesday morning, At 8.30 in the morning, we're going to have a legacy breakfast for all our business people here, all our entrepreneurs. If you're somebody in the business world, I want to invite you. We have a breakfast this coming Wednesday. It's not going to be here. It's at a restaurant. So at the end, you could go outside to our information center, sign up for it, because I want to know how many people are coming. And you know what? You're going to find out where the address is so that you could go but God has called you to make a difference through your business. Media. I'm not even going to tell you about the platform of media and everything you could do right now to influence through that. You got these influencers. There's a guy that my kids follow called Mr. Beast. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast just filled out Dream Center in New Jersey, which is this mall, huge. There's a, there's a water park inside the mall. There's a ski resort inside the mall. There's, a, there's an entertainment park inside the mall. He filled out that place completely. You gotta see the video. And he's giving away free money to the people. And you know what he gets for that? More YouTube followers. Right now, he's the second largest person with YouTube followers in the whole world. Do you know how many millions of dollars he gets, right? And he influences. I believe that guy has a gift of generosity. Mr. Beast. I wonder if I have a couple of Mr. or Mrs. Beast in the house today. <laughs> and the last area of society that God wants you to influence is family. Family. Look at me re- real quick. Before God instituted the church, he instituted the family. Before he instituted the church, he instituted the family. And that's why we're calling you in this season to fight for your families. Husbands, wives, it's time to fight for your families. It's t- time to fight for your children. It's time to stand up for them. That's why we do every year here at NUMA a men's event. We have a men's conference every year. We have a women's conference every year. Why do you think is that? Because I know that God wants to raise up families in this time. And coming up in this month of September, not next weekend, but the weekend on top of that, September 22nd and 23rd, gentlemen, we have our men's conference. It's called Champion. Pastor, what's up with that name? Because that's the way that God sees you as a champion. You might be trodden down, beat up. You don't see yourself as a successful man. Well, let me tell you, God sees you as a champion for him in your family. And I want you to come to that conference. There's a cost to it. It's not a lot, but I want you to sign up for it. If you're a guy, it's Friday night, all day Saturday. We're going to have a great time in here. We're going to have speakers. We're going to have teachings, games, food, lots of food. <laughs> Pastor Joe Rosa, if you're sad or depressed, you got to come to the men's conference. I guarantee you, you're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh. This guy, I don't even know how he's a pastor, bro. Pastor Joe, if you're looking at me, I love you. I don't know how you're a pastor. But he'll make you laugh, and then he'll make you cry, and you'll be like, thank you, Jesus, you know? And I wanna close this morning. Say, my people. First area that God wants you to impact. Two, my place, say my place. And number three, and I close, my passion, your passion, my passion. And I want to close with this point because I know that there's something that is stirring inside of you that is unique to you. And when everybody walks into this room in the morning, according to your wiring, you're going to see different things. For example, if you have the gift of helps, you'll walk into this room and you'll see a paper on the floor. Like, Oh man, there's a paper on the floor. And you pick up the paper. Oh, this chair is not aligned. Let me align this chair. But if you have the gift of mercy, you're not going to look at the paper on the floor or the chair that is twisted. You're going to see, oh, that person's sitting by themselves over there. Let, let me see how I talk to that person over there because they're by themselves and who knows what they're going through. And all these gifts are different. And I don't, I don't know when, we got to the point that we said, why doesn't he see things the way that I see? Because you know that the reality is they're not supposed to see things the way that you see because we're all supposed to see different things and together we make a difference. <laughs> Let me tell you, your hand doesn't need to be your feet. Okay, your, ha- your, your feet don't need to smell. Your nose needs to smell, not your feet. (laughs) And your nose doesn't need to run. Your feet need to run, not your nose. Only the intellectual people are catching what I'm saying right now. I'm trying to be funny, guys. (laughs) Some people are like looking like, what is he talking about? (laughs) Let me close with this, and, and and then we all leave. Ephesians 4, 1. Ephesians 4.1, we're gonna close. And you can read one through 16. Ephesians 1 through 16 is beautiful, but I'm just gonna highlight a couple of these verses. Verse one, Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, your calling, for you have been called by God. Two times in one verse, he talks about your calling and God calling you. Then verse seven, He says, however, he has given each of us a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ, he's all given us a special gift. I look at my brother, Larry, play that guitar up here. And I wish I could play the guitar like this man. But that's a gift that God has given him. And I see some people that are preparing breakfast in the morning and like, man, we're going to have a good snack in between services today. But that's a gift that God has given. If I go into that kitchen, I might burn the water. Because I'm not good at that. And then I see the people working with the kids, and those are heroes. Because, man, at one time I tried to work with the kid. I only did it one Sunday. I never went back. I was like, I'll preach to the church every Sunday. But being in there with five of those little ones running around trying to get their attention... Instead of praying for them, I prayed for myself. You know, like, Lord help me. That's a gift. And how about the beautiful people that we have in the parking lot when it rains, they actually walk people to the car with umbrellas. That's a gift. And that's what our dream team is all about. Different gifts, but together making a difference. And then verse 11 and 13, now these gifts Christ gave to the church, which are the gifts that God gave to the church? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the one that is for the church. All the other ones need to be outside. That responsibility is to equip God's people. And then verse 16, and I end here. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does his own special work. What does God want you to do? Each part does his own special special work that's your sphere of influence what is your area to do your special work i want you to close your eyes right there where you're at i've gone over the time there's a trap door that is going to open in this platform and there's alligators on the bottom and i will not be speaking in the second service (laughs) because the alligators will eat me but church i really believe god is calling you today to make a difference in this world through your sphere of influence, your sphere of influence. I want you to take a moment and pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you telling me through this message today? What are you telling me about my people? What are you telling me about my place where you've placed me? What what are you telling me about my passion, the way that you've wired me. And let the Holy Spirit just talk to you right there where you're at for a moment. Just one moment. I'm not going to take long today. I'm over time. But just tell him Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me. Oh,
1: what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before.
0: Why, like this song says and there's forgiveness that he wants to give you the God that I know he's not a God that is gonna come and beat you with rods and say you sinner why do you do this or do that the God that I know is inviting you into a relationship with him and as you come to him if you come to Jesus today the Bible says that all your sins will be forgiven it doesn't matter how many sins you've committed, all of them will be forgiven. Because when Jesus died on that cross, He's dying for your sins. He was dying for my sin. And Jesus rose on the third day. And when He rose on the third day, it's to give you eternal life. What does that mean? That the road was paved all the way now for you to have a relationship with your heavenly Father. It doesn't depend on your works anymore. It depends on what He did for you and me. And if today you're in this room or watching there, And you want to come to the Father. You want to receive forgiveness of your sin. You want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the decision that you need to make. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not cast them out. So if today you're in this room and you want to make that decision, you want to invite Jesus into your life, you're watching through that camera, you want to invite Jesus into your life, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Right there where you're at, with your eyes closed and head bowed. And church, help me make this prayer. Repeat with me, dear Heavenly Father, I want to give you thanks for your love towards me and for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to pay for my sins. Today, I invite him into my life and I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I come to you. Take me by the hand into the arms of my heavenly father and father now i declare myself to be your son or your daughter fill me with your holy spirit and allow me to live for the purpose you created me in jesus mighty name amen and amen let's put our hands together for the lord this morning thanks again for listening If you liked what you've heard, subscribe to our channel and share it with others. Now, for more content from NUMA and to connect with us, visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org. We love you and we hope to connect with you soon.